Hello, I'm Danny. And I'm Molly. And this week we are discussing what's her names? You know I'm bad at names, y'all. Rachel Dolezal in full color, finding my place in a black and white world. Yeah, so I just wanted to say, like, it's obviously an unusual pick for us, but I really thought that it was important for us to, you know, we're always about expanding our view and we can't even do the show with us. Yeah, no, we're not. No, no. She can go sit down. No. I wanted to say all this stuff and extend this joke, but I can't even. I'm looking at her face on this we were trying, so we're recording this on April Fools and like Happy we April wanted Fools. to have a little fun but we we uh, 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 I have no words. In case you didn't know, FYI, on March 28th, Rachel, what's her face? I'm not I don't I should have looked up how to say her name. I don't care. Well, she's got a new name now. Oh, she has a Nigerian name. Yeah. Insult to Nigeria. They and they were mad. They were not here for that. <laughs> they should be. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Her chapter titles, one, delivered by Jesus, two, escaping to Africa in my head, three, oatmeal. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Escaping to Africa in my head? Africa don't want you. Hustling to make a dollar. Did she spell dollar or did she spell dollar? She said dollar. So that's how you know. I am on the Goodreads page and Uh y'all are not here for it. Oh no, emancipation. Black Lives Matter. Oh no. Oh, uh. Okay, yeah. Raising black boys in America? Oh my God. She's crazy. Stop. I'm mad. I just want her to press her hair and just take off the bronzer and just sit down. That ain't her hair. That's a wig. It has to be something. I feel like I can see the lace in this picture. Like, oh, gosh. You know, if I were, like, a light-skinned black person who had to deal with this shit on a regular, I would be heated. Because I'm sure there are, like, black, like light-skinned black people who are like, you're not black enough who have to deal with this crap. And now they've got this woman running around basically, like, ver- verifying what all that crap people say to them. Because my sister has to deal with this sometimes. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. So, my sister's pretty oh, light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that's aggravating. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm closing this page. This is not what we came. I'm here gonna to close discuss. this page too. Yes, sorry guys, that was an April Fool's joke that we didn't even have the stomach for. So, but we tried. We did try. So, so for real though, welcome to Black Chicklet. Yes, this is our second bonus episode. Us trying mm. to be more like, I guess, casual. I, I don't want to say cash again. I feel like it got overused last time. Oh. <laughs> sounds really hurt i'm sorry um but yeah so this is yeah our second one molly i'm gonna start with you before we get into our chat molly had a fun and social evening yesterday was it yesterday evening yeah so it was yesterday evening um i got invited to a mixer um of like basically the alliterati (laughs) (laughs) So if you don't know, um, the people over at My Lip Box, um, uh, they are, well, she, uh, Sonura, and I hope I'm not saying her name wrong, um, she has been, like, really bigging us up on Twitter and, like, since the very beginning, um, she found out that she and I actually live pretty close to one another, and she said, oh, well, Glory from um, 
uh, well-read black girl is having this mixer, um, t- uh, you know, tomorrow night, do you want to come? And I was like, you know, looking behind me like, who? Me? <laughs> <laughs> and so they're like, yeah, come to it. So I went down there and it was, um, I told Danielle before we started, it was like being inside of an Instagram picture. Like everyone was just so well dressed and like the makeup was like on point and everyone had like these beautiful earrings. I was like completely jealous. Um, <laughs> all but you the, LA people are glamorous. <laughs> girl, mm, <laughs> like I just had on like a tank top and some ripped jeans. I was like, okay. I see y'all out here stunting. Um, But uh, the nice thing about it was that it wasn't intimidating or it wasn't like, you know, cool girl aloofness. Like everyone was just so friendly and so inviting. I just was blown away by, you know, that compared to the talent in the room. Like we all went around and people were like, oh, you know, I write for this series and I write for that series and I do this and I, my second book of poetry is coming out. And then they got to me, I was like, uh, oh, podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I was just really honored to be with like such talented women. And um, I think that hopefully you'll be seeing some big things now that we're trying to uh, expand a little bit and get a little bigger thanks in no small part to all of you guys listening and you know continuing to engage with us yeah I think we've said this before and I guess maybe we I feel like we should emphasize we sort of started this on a whim and the fact that people are liking it and listening and engaging still sort of surprises us so we're gonna just try to do I mean we're hoping we're doing well but hopefully like just do better and do more and just keep providing content for y'all to listen to and I'm really Mm -hmm. jealous I didn't get to hang out with all those reader folk it sounds really fun (laughs) Next time, definitely next time, Danielle will. I got a plan um, coming out into California. Yes. Yeah, out of this Midwest. The weather can't make up its mind, so everyone's sick because literally on Tuesday it was 80 degrees, and then on uh-huh. Wednesday it was 32. So oh, no. everyone's sinuses doesn't know what to do. So I will gladly come down and meet some wonderful reader folk. Yeah, come on out. We'll eat some um, uh, In-N-Out and some Tito's. <laughs> And uh, some canters and I don't know, I guess other people do other things than eat in L.A., but <laughs> I haven't really. Um, I only know in and out. So y- y'all all sound fancy. So <laughs> We only um, have like really flat pizza that nobody likes in St. Louis. Uh, yeah. Well, you, OK, so you had the flat pizza Toasted ravioli. with the cheese. Yes. And gooey butter cake. Yeah, and toasted ravioli. That's it. And toasted ravioli. I remember when I first went to Mizzou, and they were like, you don't know what gooey butter cake is? And some guy stole a whole tray of it from... The dining hall? Plaza... Yeah. What what was it? Plaza... 900. 900. And he stole, like, this whole tray. And he was, like, dancing in the hallways. He was like, gooey butter cake. I was like, the (laughs) fuck? Where did I come to? (laughs) I will say this. Gooey butter cake is... Like, everything else, I get at why everyone sides sides it. The cheese, yeah, it's weird. The pizza, it's weird. We better cake is pretty solid. Like, if you like half-baked cake that sort of just melts and has a lot of butter, it's exactly what it sounds like. I'll give it to you. I'll give you that. I don't like toasted ravioli. I don't know what 
the process behind that was. And I do not like that pizza. I'm sorry, St. Louis. She can fight me over it. Like, one day we're just going to have a huge, like, KC versus STL argument. Right and it'll on only. Podcast. <laughs> no one will care. <laughs> no one will care but us. <laughs> I feel like I can't hate on Kansas City because I'm technically of Kansas City. So. Yes. I, Kansas I'm City, the... Kansas, though. Yeah, I was born. Yeah. Yeah. No one That's outside, a whole nother thing. No one outside of like the state really cares about this conversation right now. You know, but there's one person right now that's just clapping and like nodding their head like, yup. Uh, I remember when one of our friends said that he knew I was from Kansas City and not St. Louis because I had all my real hair. And I'm like, what kind of shamey, what kind of sideways shamey stuff is that? That's okay. One of my family members, um, who I will, will not name, um someone stole some money from one of my uncles and uh well maybe I can say it was my grandma she's like that's some real St. Louis shit right there (laughs) (laughs) that's my new motto now I love that there were some bulls there were runaway cows in the streets of St. Louis on Friday why are you always in cities with like runaway bulls this is the second (laughs) time that's happened time it's happened to me happened in Iowa once and now it's happened in St. Louis and I didn't think like we're not despite being in the middle of the Midwest. It's, there's none farmland nearby. I don't know why there are a bunch of cows, like, in the streets. Apparently they escaped. They escaped their pen at a slaughterhouse and, like, made a huh. bid for freedom. Oh. Was, I hope they got free. One, some lady bought one and sent them to, like, a pasture to, like, live out its days, so. Oh. I mean, that's... How do you pick that one? That's the story for 2017. Like, we all, like, we resist. We'll survive. We'll make it. So we we'll got way it. off topic, but we did. Do you want to introduce our our second bonus episode topic? Yes. So I think this is basically we mentioned it in the last bonus episode. We wanted to talk about the whitewashing of book covers because the most recent incident involved an author we've read before, um, Nettie Okorafor, and I feel like I pronounce her name differently every time I say it. I really apologize. I'm sorry. Um, her book, let me make sure I, I had it up. Her book for The Shadow Speaker, the cover for The Shadow Speaker was recently whitewashed. And I think we've described it in one episode. In one cover, there is a model who has very, looks like she's pale skin. She has fine, let's just go ahead and say it, white hair. She has been mm-hmm. whitewashed. And in another cover, I guess that they redid to fix the incident. She is darker skinned and has natural sort of like kinky hair. So, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go ahead and assume that the latter cover is more accurate to the story, to the text. So we thought it'd be interesting to discuss how whitewashing has affected, you know, readers, writers, the whole gamut. So mm-hmm. we sent out a call on Twitter. We didn't get a lot on this one, which is fine. We got the ones we did, though, they went pretty like we got full. We got a lot of engagement from the two people who did submit. Um, mm-hmm. The first one I want to read is from Danica London, and she is on Twitter at, at Danica London, or Danica, I believe it's pronounced, at Danica London. And she said, in terms of my writing, it's forced me to always center my identity within a narrative and be upfront about who my story is for. As a young reader, it perpetuated erasure, and in some instances, self-erasure of my own narrative from the literary imagination. Thankfully, my parents, family members, and a few teachers gave me black books to read, allowing me to see myself on the page. So, mm-hmm. I think... I'm trying to think when I was a kid and I want to say something since so she says as a young reader when I looked up instances of real life examples of whitewashing of book covers most of them were with the exception of um the shadow speaker 
most of them are like YA or kids or re- books for young adults. Really? I did not see a lot of instances in my research of whitewashed book covers for adult fiction. And maybe it's because YA is kind of all the rage. Could be. Yeah. So. And maybe because YA, I don't know, um, if you look at the different types of covers that are out there, a lot of adult fiction, just straight, um, like not genre fiction, Mm -hmm. they typically don't have um, a lot of people on their covers. That's what I was thinking too. Well, YA, I think, you know, typically does maybe have more more actual models or something. The only other thing I could think of is probably like a romance. Typically has a lot of people and they, on the cover. Yeah, and they tend to look like that. They actually do a decent job of like if there's a black couple in this book. Right. They tend to have black people on the cover or. Um, so, yeah. So I think you were probably it was probably the former thing you said, where when you think about it, a lot of literary adult literary fiction sort of they either play with the type or they'll have like an object and that's mm-hmm. the cover of the book. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So it's probably just not as many, with the exception of genre fiction. Right. So, and then in the second one, we had from our second comment we got from Arlene at, oh, she's on Twitter at Lock Pressed Books. She said, looking at those old Octavia Butler books way back in the day, 1999, 2000, it turned me off on the books. It's, it's like looking for representation and you see this. It gives the wrong idea about the book. It wasn't until I was older and realized that the publishing company did this insane thing, re-whitewashing and not the author. But I've also seen it where a white author writes a book about a person in color, or in this case a black woman, and on the cover of the book it's a white woman. Case in point, The Cuckoo's Calling by Robert Galbraith. It's about the murder of a black woman and there's a white woman on the cover and it just killed my soul. And I think it made, I think, I think what made it worse for me was when all those popular booktube people gush about it and never, 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 never say anything about the cover being misleading. It left a bad taste in my mouth for the series. So I don't mm. know anything about that book series, but I'm going to go ahead and assume it is YA. I'm going to look it up now. Uh, I'm looking it up too. Yeah, I hadn't heard of it. Um, let's see. You hear my loud typing, which I noticed in the last couple of episodes. So, Cuckoo's Calling. The mystery series, which okay. she said. And I'm looking at the cover and like, you can't really tell. Yeah. Yeah, it's racially ambiguous, yeah. uh, but it does not read black. Yeah, her hair is sort of silky-ish. Uh-huh. She could either be a really light-skinned black person or, like, a white person in a shadow. Right, right. So, yeah, if I saw this on, just, like, on the shelf, I would not think that this this book is about a person of color or a black person. I haven't heard of this, which is a shame because I, I like mysteries and stuff like that. But, um, oh, crime fiction. Wait, The Cuckoo's Calling is a 2013 crime fiction novel by J.K. Rowling? I don't... Oh, published under the pseudonym Robert Galbraith. Interesting. Oh, hmm. Now... You is know, I didn't wrote, have a. Oh, that, go ahead. Sorry, is that when she wrote the the vacancy? What's that? Uh, is that the same pen name she used for her the casual vacancy book? Let's see. Because I did not know that was her pen name. I. It doesn't look like it. It, it looks like if I'm reading this correctly, she's written a number of um, 
um, either number. These are just different languages, um, mystery books under this name. Huh. Well, that's funny. So. Yeah, that is funny. Because, I was going to say, um, I didn't have a specific instance of whitewashing on a cover. But this is something I think we talked about before, but I don't know if we talked about it on Twitter or, um, uh, you know, on the podcast. Um, what came to my mind the first time we said this was actually the Harry Potter books um, with, uh, what, how do you say it, Hermione? Mm-hmm. Um, so I started reading those books. I think it was about the same age, you know, they were when the books started. Yeah, they and I remember when I was like. In seventh grade. Yeah, and I remember getting, like, way into them, and I think it was, like, the second book, like, uh, he comes and he sees her, you know, the friend, um, and he's like, uh, oh, she looks different, like, her hair is, like, super curly and really bushy and big, and, like, her skin is really, like, her brown skin is, like, browner or something. I should have looked up the exact passage, but... Spoiler alert, this is another wine episode. I think that's going to be a running theme for our <laughs> bonus episodes, our casual bonus episode. Yeah, I've been sipping wine the whole time. <laughs> and when I read that, I like had this pause because, again, this was not the first book. I think it was the second. And I was like, oh, shit, Hermione's black because I, you know, am someone who in the summer, like you spend it outside, you spend it like dousing each other with the hose my hair gets all bushy and like beautiful and curly and um, we would like brown up a lot, um, you know, go from brown to brown. And I think that's specific. Like she said that she had brown skin, but her that she also got a tan. And I remember people would always say, oh, Molly, you got a tan. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm going from brown to brown. <laughs> um, and I just like resonated so much with me in that moment. And I thought, you know over the next book or two that Hermione was black and I pictured myself in it. And then the movie came out and I remember that is the exact moment when I lost interest in the book. I was like, I thought that this person looked like me and I looked around, I didn't see anyone else who looked like me. And I totally like changed my perception of the book. Like there's no fault to anyone who, you know, that girl who uh, plays her. Obviously, I haven't really seen many Emma of the movies Watson. outside of that. Emma Watson. Like, no shade to any of them, but it definitely, like, broke that connection that I had to the book, I think is the best way to say it. Well, it's also, did you know that when they took the books to the musical, they hired a black actress to play Hermione? I know. And I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think Harry Potter is interesting in that for a universe that's supposed to be so big, you have all these, you have like the muggle world and the witching world and you have all this imagination and all this creativity. There are very few characters, maybe in the movies. I'm not as familiar with the books as I am with the movies. I Spoiler, I never read all the Harry Potter books. I'm, I don't do fantasy. Um, <laughs> I really don't. I can do sci-fi. I'm not here for witches and magic. But um, for all that creativity, there are very few characters of color. I think there also, there was some, Flash, flash, um, backlash against very few characters who are like LGBTQ. There are very few stories that are not like white middle class Britain. And I just like that's yeah. interesting considering how big that universe is, how much she could have done, and we're still she's still sort of stuck with the with this perspective. So 
Yeah, with this, I don't know if it's like a trap of the genre itself. So it's kind of like the genre that she's writing, the genre of Harry Potter is, I think you call it what, like a school novel or a boarding school novel? Mm -hmm. I can't quite remember. And it's like this older type of story um, and she added magic to it. But that older type of story comes with some maybe older ideas or ideas of who traditionally were in those types of stories. So I don't know if that was a limiting thing. Like, obviously, there are characters of color um, in the book, but I I don't know that they... They were never played up as big. And I remember, like, Dumbledore was gay, but it was, like, after the series was over. And it was sort of like, Yeah, she's kind of like, well, Dumbledore was gay. You didn't get that? And I was like, no, because you didn't really write it in there. Like, it's one thing to to say afterwards, like, oh, yeah, he was gay. Like how she says, oh, Voldemort's name was really Voldemort. And it was like, well, you should have said something <laughs> 20 years ago yeah. about that. The book has to be able to exist on its own, not not in conjunction with your press conference where you state all these things. Yeah. So not to bash on Harry Potter, but it does sound like your experience is similar to our Twitter friend Arlene's. And I think it is, and I think it just sort of emphasized why representation is important. Because I remember being younger and trying to find books with, African-American characters. And it was always, like, slave books. Yeah. And I'm yeah. I would have appreciated, I think, at that time, reading more stories. I mean, I enjoyed the books I had. I read, like, Addie. I read Sound of Jubilee. I read Those Dear America books. I read... I feel like I'm missing some stuff. I read stuff. But, like, I feel like I would have... I would have enjoyed being able to read other genres and other types of stories and see myself represented in it. Right. Yeah. So... Um, there is an interesting whitewash case, I think, that was really the big one that seems to happen recently in YA was um, Justine, another name, Justine Lar Ballister, Ballister, and she had a book titled Liar. And mm-hmm. when they did the galley, the character in the book is described as mixed race and she has nat- natural hair that she wears sort of short and curly. And on the galley, it's, the picture is uh, very clearly of a white girl with very straight hair and she's like covering mm-hmm. it over her face and the book is titled, i do remember this yeah, the book is titled liar and so she wrote a very interesting blog post that we can we can include called ain't that a shame and she just wants she sort of wanted to explain on how authors do not get any final say on the covers in fact they have no say at all and that she did i she did try i feel she did try to promote a different type I think she wanted a cover that didn't have a person on it at all she wanted there was a it looks like there's the Australian cover does a neat thing with topography and that the mm-hmm. word liar looks like blood and it sort of blurs together and I think she wanted to push that for the U.S. release but I don't I think she was overruled mm-hmm. and she sort of goes on to discuss on how covers change how people read books and um and that they 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 occur in context so like this whitewashing happens does not happen in a vacuum an interesting thing about it in the blog post, she says that um, no one in Australia has contacted her to ask if no one in Australia has written me to ask if Micah, the main character, is really black. And by making that cover with I can see that with the cover with the white girl, it could be confusing if the character is described one way. But then the cover, which I guess we can admit a lot of times we picture the characters on the cover in the story. Mm-hmm. It makes it confusing. So. I guess it's, it's really got to suck to write this story to try and increase representation in literature and then to have like a marketer just or whoever a publisher 
sort of undermine that with a whitewashed cover. It's going to be really frustrating. Yeah. Now let me ask, why do you think this is done? I'm sure. What are your thoughts? The I'm going to go ahead and say that the answer that they give is for sales. Bullshit. I know. I, know, I agree with you, but I'm sure that's the answer they give. That people yeah. don't buy covers with black characters on them or that they note that um, covers with black people or with white characters sell better. I'm going to go ahead and say the real reason is laziness. Either they don't feel like developing covers like because i'm sure one we i've learned there's not a lot of stock art with black characters on them you do sort of have to work more to get like a the those covers made and they don't want to market them as and they don't market them as well so then they don't sell it's sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy so they don't want to develop the content that's needed to do black covers or black characters on covers and things and then when they do they just i guess because of you know un unconscious racism they do not market them or push them as heavily as they do, like maybe a cover with a pretty, friendly, quote unquote, accessible white character. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, I think um, the business reason is bullshit. Yeah, because I, 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 we hear that in other sectors too. I think probably Ghosted most show. often in, right, I was going to say <laughs> movies where they say, oh, you know, um, movies with diverse casts, black movies don't sell overseas. And every time I hear that, I think about uh, my, you know, secret fave, Fast and Furious, <laughs> which is a cast that at this point has no white leads, um, you know, sadly. But still, it's it's a super diverse cast. And I think that that movie was, it broke a record for reaching a billion dollars, like the fastest in history. Yeah. Like that movie made money hands over fist. Yeah. And it has three black leads and like uh, Vin Diesel on the rock and Jewish characters and Korean characters. I mean, they're always dying and coming back to life, but still <laughs> like you can't tell me that. And then in addition to Moonlight, Hidden Figures, um, Fences, everything we saw in the last year um, to television shows like Empire like, it doesn't make sense to me. And even going back to books with Nettie winning every award, it doesn't make sense to me that Black stories, stories of people in color don't sell because I see every day that they do. I think, like, the excuse isn't working anymore. And it's even worse when they say that and then give the roles to, not only do they give them to white actors, they give them to no-name white actors, like, people you've never heard of. So, like... What was that one? Was it? The, oh, it was the Egyptian room, like Gods of Egypt. Oh, and they did yeah. that movie, and I could not tell you the name of a single actor from that movie. They were all like, not like D-list actors who I've never heard of, but they, the studios thought these were the people who could carry a movie. And right. the most recent one I think is even more aggravating is Ghost in Shell. Apparently, spoiler alert: if you plan to actually see this movie. Um, I think you should. I don't. I think you should be a pal. I mean, watch the anime, you know. Yeah, I say be a pal and don't. But apparently, in the movie, what happens is the character starts like she's like a Japanese consciousness who gets transplanted into Scarlett Johansson, like this white lady. And then at the end, huh. apparently, she goes and hugs her Japanese mother. And I'm like, you all did so much, like the amount of mental gymnastics they did, and like to justify to, this bullshittery, yeah, just to not hire a. To get away out of hiring an Asian actress is like to get around hiring, not hiring the girl from um, 
that uh, fight in robots movie. Oh, uh, oh, I know who you're talking about from Pacific Rim. Yeah, they're like, Marco. oh, we can't find a Japanese action movie, and I'm like, you can't. They they can't again laziness. They don't want to. I can try. I don't even know the girl. Yeah, Rinko Kikuchi. Rinko Kikuchi. I'm sure. Oh, I'm tired. I'm bad with names, guys. But um, I remember when uh, probably the most infamous example is uh, The Last Airbender. Ugh. <laughs> and I remember there was an interview where M. Night Shyamalan was talking about like how his daughter loved Avatar and how like she could, she knew all of Katara's lines and she could like, she knew all the moves. I'm like, well, put her in the movie. I would right. literally rather see your daughter playing Katara than this no-name actress you all have. Who And it just looks stupid when they have like, you know, her and the guy who plays Sokka, and then they have all of these um extras uh, who are of right. it's like, And they're like, oh, this is my grandma, this is my grandpa, and but they're gonna stay in the background, so don't be scared. It's like what are you what are you doing, Shyamalan? Like what are you doing? Uh, and then that one had even the more unfortunate implications when all the people in the Fire Nation, aka the antagonist were all like brown skinned people. Right. They were darker skinned yeah. people. To be fair, I think he did it because I think Zuko is his favorite character. Uh-huh. And in the end, Zuko gets redeemed. And he does end up being a great character. And I think maybe he related to that and maybe he wanted to be represented there. But it's just not. Yeah. And I think um, because I feel like, you know, we were both big fans of that show before it got ruined our current obsessions um but you can see that they put a lot of thought into developing these different cultures and basing them in different periods and different peoples of asia yeah so it wasn't just that you know the fire nation is this made-up thing it's like they have chinese they were japanese, japanese. Inspired. yeah yeah um, which made it even more frustrating where people were like people were trying to excuse it by saying well, we they don't have a race. They don't have a they don't have an ethnicity. They're just light skinned But, that but not having light. an ethnic exactly not having an ethnicity, not having a culture does not equate to white. And they like uh, and they clearly oh, go ahead. as you were saying, they clearly did. Like clothes were inspired by all parts of Asia, right? And Inuit influences. So it just doesn't. It's just not a good excuse. Right. It's just like I said, laziness and maybe like. Or when they say, uh, oh, you know, an anime, um, uh, you know, oh, well, they make the characters like blonde hair and blue eyes because they want to look white. And it's like, well, maybe you and I aren't watching the same anime because you can tell when they have non Japanese <laughs> characters in a lot of them. And usually it is racist as it's, fuck. <laughs> Like, when they have, like, I'm thinking of, uh, like, Samurai X, when they have, like, a white character on that, because that's a historical one, they're supposed to show, like, uh, I think, uh, white British people coming to Japan. Mm -hmm. Like, those depictions are are very stereotypical. So I don't know if it's this thing about not being able to recognize stereotypes about yourself or this default idea that, or this idea that default or the absence of culture equals whiteness yeah. or that white isn't, doesn't have its own hallmarks, its own culture, you know, that's specific to the country. Yeah. Ethnocentrism, I think, essentially. Just like thinking. Yeah. Before we go, though, I just want to kind of loop it back to books and just mm-hmm. 
how do you think we as readers could sort of because like it would have i guess it's probably similar to what you do as movies so like if ghost and shell came out everyone's like it's whitewashed it's terrible they didn't see it and last i heard boss baby is currently doing better <laughs> like and not even like it's doing like Way significantly better, better. It's doing much better so you know sort of like a boycott what are other ways, I guess, readers could support or, like, I guess, speak out, do you think, about... I guess maybe they're doing it. They're, you hear a lot of people chatting about it on Twitter. Um, I would yeah. like to see more booktubers, I guess, as sort of what um, at Lock Press Books said, more booktubers and more influencers sort of talking about it, being made mm -hmm. aware of it. Yeah, I think that, you know, a boycott um, is good, but not useful without more action. So it's like, yeah, vote with your dollar by buying, um, you know, books that re reflect and represent you by going to the library and renting them, by giving them to your kids, by asking them yeah, for them, yeah. you know, in schools, because that shows not only are you not okay with that, but this is the answer. I think another good thing is um, when I did Book Riot Live, a lot of people said what works is like direct direct like recommendations to a friend. Like if you have a friend who reads and wants books, if you say, here's a book I checked out and it does include characters of color, they will probably be more likely to read that than if they just, than just being told, oh, you need to read more diverse books. Give people titles and tell them, give people good titles, recommend book t titles that you read and like help them out with finding those, that content. Uh, so. Good advice. Um, before we go, can we talk about, just shout out another couple people who interacted with us? Sure. Because I always love doing that. So um, Danielle put up, what's everyone reading this weekend? And um, Arlene, our superstar this <laughs> exactly. week from Lock Press Books, said she's reading A Meditation on Murder, a Death in Paradise novel, which sounds kind of cool. And I really like this cover, actually, talking about covers. There were a lot, so when I sent this out, a lot of y'all are some serious readers, like... Y'all were right? reading, like, let me see, there was, um, so you were reading, Molly, The Fire this time, mm -hmm. um, as edited by Jasmine, Jasmine, Jasmine Ward. We had mm -hmm. other people, um, Kaya Danielle at Kaya Rice was reading, this one I thought sounded really good, Harlem's Hellfighters, African-American uh -huh. 69th Infantry in World War One, and apparently there's a graphic novel on the same topic. Oh. So, yeah. And oh, yeah, yeah, actually, that. Yeah, that comic actually did, or excuse me, that graphic novel <laughs> actually did extremely well. I think it was last year. So yeah, I'm like, I'm going to check that out. And then Shanna Miles at SR, SR Miles author said she was reading Hannah Mary Tabs and the Disembodied Torso about Reconstruction Era Philadelphia. So Yeah, I'm getting that on internet, uh, <laughs> inner library loan. And we had one more. Don Rice is reading Between the World and Me. Which is always an A-plus choice. Always an A-plus choice. Y'all are some serious readers. Like, I'm really, like, the history and the caliber and the level. Like, I read Trash this weekend. I read, <laughs> I haven't started our pick yet, but I read, I was finishing up some other romance novels I bought for, like, $3 on Kindle. So, you know, they're, like, A-plus. And... Don't let haters get to you and say that you can't read romance. I know. Oh, no. Oh, remember that comment I got? I'm going to mention, thank you for reminding me of that. I'm going to bring that comment up when we have our episode. No, I mean, I try to go for quality romance, and then sometimes I just give in and I read the the smuts. So it happens. 
And yet you had such a highbrow opinion when it came to this could be us, but you playing. Because she wrote a tale. And when I said that I bought the sequel, you turned your nose up at me. (laughs) I did not turn my nose up. I love you. I was genuinely You did it. You did it. That was the most surprising news I had gotten in all of 2016. And 2016 was a terrible year. I was like, she bought Oh, gosh. Oh, that was great. I will stand behind what I said, though. We can go into this. Like, that was a terribly written sex scene. And, like, <laughs> I can't go back to read it because, again, I deleted it. I literally, I literally cannot wait until we do the romance um, novel next, uh, what we're going to record next week. Yeah. Um, but because this is completely 100,000% Danielle's wheelhouse. Oh. And I'm like, I don't know anything about it. It's like Danielle book to the extreme. I have, I was thinking about this. I have Daniel's four requirements for a satisfying romance novel. Ooh. Uh, I have, I need to work. I'm gonna re, this will be the first time I've shared them with someone. So you can tell me if I need to workshop them or I need to expand them. I have I'm really excited now. thoughts on what, how, what verbs and adjectives should or should not be used in a sex scene. I have so many thoughts. So. I, I am so excited <laughs> now to hear. This is going to be your graphic novel rant because I, I'm coming to this totally blank. And I'm just really excited to hear what you have to say. I'm really excited to hear what you say because I think one time I asked Molly, like, what's a name one chick lit book you read? And she's like, the Suki Stackhouse books? And I was like, um, no. I was like, Gone Girl? And you're like, no. I was like, Room? And you're like, no. I was like, I don't know. And then we discovered Molly had not read any. So, I don't think I've read any. I'm really excited for next week's episode, especially because I really like the title. I really like the author. She's very sweet, so this is going to be fun. Oh, yeah. She, like, because I accidentally bought Breathless. <laughs> Molly bought the wrong book for next week. I bought the wrong book. And she was like, don't worry. Yeah. Uh, what is the author's name? Alyssa I'm sorry. Cole. She's- and she was like, don't worry about it. That's a good book, too. And I was like, that is so cute. <laughs> oh, my God. So it's it's going to be a fun one next week. So It's going to be fun. I think that's it for now. You don't want to give I it think all so. away. Yeah, so um, our next episode, we will be reading... An Extraordinary mm-hmm. Union by Alyssa Cole. About, I will, yeah, about spies and love. Yeah, I will share the link again on Twitter before then. Um, and you can find us on Twitter at Black Chick Lit. And we have our website, blackchicklit.com. And we have our Instagram, BCL Podcast. Did I say that right? Yeah. 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 Do you want to give our email address too? Oh, yes. If you ever want to email us or contact us, you can contact us at contact at blackchicklit.com. Use the word That's... contact too many times in that sentence. <laughs> That's okay. So, yeah. That's it, guys. This has been fun. That's it. We will Super fun. We will um, talk with you all next time. Yeah. And I guess we'll announce our next um bonus oh after yeah the next one. yeah we'll we can do that next week when we, <laughs> when we have when we, one yeah when we put some thought into it and think of one so <laughs> okay bye guys bye.